podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The Whistleblowers is back for the season by Labrooks. We're called Whistle, and this is true. We love to do the things that we're not supposed to do. We don't need robbing, stealing... Or Welcome to the Whistleblowers. My name's Stuart Wright, and the Whistleblowers is back for the season by Labrooks. Check out the latest offers and odds at bet.thewhistleblowers.net. Right then, uh, the league's over, uh, City are champions, so it makes sense that I've got uh, Chelsea's second best filmmaker, uh, Giles Borg on. Ooh, third or fourth, I think. I, th- I think we had your second best. We've got uh, Liverpool author David Seager. Hello, David. Hello. Reminders, your book, and how's it going? Uh, it's a book called uh, Kloppite, One Man's Quest to Turn Doubts into Believers. It's all about Jürgen Klopp's first two seasons at Liverpool, therefore missing out this very exciting third one. Uh, it's going pretty well, because people are quite excited about the German guy again. Well, I think, I think you know, when we spoke to you at the launch, it looked like, you know, Klopp was not having a fun time, but uh, now... Now we're having a fun time under Klopp at Liverpool. So. Having a very fun time, yeah. Champions League semi-finals. Uh, bus, uh, b- buses navigating their way through the city centre uh, ominously. Um, yeah, it's, it's that time of year again. Indeed, indeed. And we've got West Ham's Justin Clack. Hello, Justin. Hi, Stu. Welcome to the show. Uh, this isn't good for radio, but I think it's worth addressing that, that Justin has, has brought with him the, uh, the personal handwritten record of his grandfather, which do you want to tell us what it is and, and what, it's, what it covers? Yeah, I just thought I'd be sad enough to bring in this record of every single result from 1951 of West Ham. And uh, interestingly, it's written in a sort of really old-fashioned hand. My granddad was born in 1910, so it's all absolutely immaculate. But um, in a typical West Ham fan way, there's no reference to anyone that wins the league, just who gets relegated or promoted each season. But he's got the phone number for Upton Park in there as well. There is a little... uh, guide to uh, West Ham which gives the uh, date that the um, club was founded Uh, and next to that for some reason it's telephone number 01472 2740 so don't try ringing that number give it a call someone uh, ring it a lady might answer it with a a Baker light phone (laughs) right then Uh, actually just before we get into the into the next bit uh, when we were coming in the pub you 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 were uh, Giles' other team is Oxford United which has as as per your appearances on here Oxford had a good result yes but you and Justin were exchanging stories about a young up and coming talent that left Joey Oxford. Beecham Joey Beecham fantastic well, wonderful winger for the, uh, for the Yellows amazing uh, Chris Allen on the other wing who's now the uh, assistant coach there or was the assistant coach there mm. uh, and he was fantastic and we knew someone had staff him up and West Ham came in uh, and they bought him uh, and then a month later he turned it down because he was homesick can you imagine Billy Bonds with a homesick teenager yeah he signed a contract and then didn't want to play before uh, I don't think he played a game <laughs> Right. Bonds, and, Bonds and Radnat, proper old school Eastenders. Yeah. I think they had much sympathy for the situation. Yeah. It's, a, <laughs> it's a long way, you know. I mean, Oxford to. I know, yeah, that, that's, uh, that exchange at Panton, we have to get off one train and then <laughs> it's the get the tubes. other one. It's the two tubes. It must have been the two tubes. That's, no, where, no. that's where the tears start to come. Yeah, no, when you get off, have to get off of one train at Panton and you have to cross over the platform. I think he was coming down on horseback or something. <laughs> that must have been it. Right then. Now, before we get to de- dissect the weekend's football from uh, your point of views and look forward to the FA Cup semi final and let's hear from uh, the Man City Show podcast host Nigel Rothband about how his uh, beloved Sky Blues romped home to the league not that we were surprised by that fact Is his name Nigel Rockband? No, Rothband Oh, shame Over to Nigel 
Welcome to the show and congratulations, um, Nigel Rothband, for Man City winning the league. How's it feel? Very, very happy man, Stuart. Very happy man today. Yeah, it's been on the cards for a few months, we know, but there's nothing quite like getting uh, getting it confirmed with an excellent win from the mighty, the mighty West Bromwich Albion. <laughs> so they found it. So Man United did have a hand in you winning the title in the end. But, you know, if if you can't win it at home against them, yeah, and they beat you, what better way of doing it is at Old Trafford in front of 70,000 of their supporters, or it was about 9,000, I think, by the time the final whistle finally came. But, uh, yeah, no, it's, uh, listen, it's been a fantastic season. And I think it's really nice today, particularly to hear people actually coming out and saying, you know, Pep Guardiola actually is a, is a fantastic manager. He's starting to transform the way football's played in this country. And as, as we said, I think, on the show before, Stuart, it's not just the fact we won the league. It's the, it's the manner in which we won it. It's the f- sort of football that we've been playing that has excited so many people. And uh, listen, we've won, now won it, what is it, three times in seven years. So starting now to uh, to really build a legacy and uh, hopefully onwards and upwards from here. But, but, you know, three titles in four years, it was something we only dreamed of when we were in the old third division only 20 years ago. My, my memories of last year were... Lots of lots of um, self-entitled pundits trying to tell Pep Guardiola that he needed a plan B. Yeah, and also Pep, Pep, Pep was a fraud as well, of course, of course to many yeah. as well. But you know, you know, he couldn't win the title in his first year, and all that investment, and he's got to go. You know, we, it did get ridiculous at that point. It was it was a it was a year of transition. Okay, he, some could argue with that sort of investment, with his track record, with it being. Pep Guardioli, he should have won something in his first year, but it doesn't always happen that way. And I think we also know that we had areas where he, he wasn't happy, but he, he wasn't going to have a plan B. Why should he? In terms of what he did over the summer, who came into that team or what made you that team that could play the Pep Guardiola way? I think the biggest area uh, are the fullbacks. Mm. Uh, I think Kyle Walker has improved enormously under Pep. He wasn't a bad player, clearly. Again, he fell out at uh, at Spurs there were issues there personality issues he didn't fit in they didn't pick him he didn't play he left you know, didn't exactly I was at Wembley at the weekend he wasn't exactly applauded by the Spurs fans every time he got the ball I can assure you um, so you know he, he, he left there uh, he has absolutely improved on the pep he's got great pace on the other side he recruited Mendy it's sad we didn't see very much of him. He was awesome for Monaco, of course, um, in the Champions League against so us. Had a fantastic season for them. He was an exciting talent. He's been injured for most of the season. Um, uh, and, of course, it's been well documented. Delft, before his injury, has done a fantastic job. Again, Pep has, tr- sort of transfer- has moved him from a, you know, a decent midfielder to, to a great left back. I think the other area, of course, is, is the keeper. You know, Joe Hart went, and, and a lot of City fans, not me, I have to say, I've been consistent. Clearly, he didn't fit. Uh, Pep didn't want him there. Bought him Bravo, which didn't quite work. Uh, but Edison's been been fantastic. I'm, I'm still convinced Edison could play anywhere. I think he would play centre-back. He could play midfield. I'm sure he'd, he'd probably score 19 goals a season if he played up front. He's a, a fantastic footballer. Spends half his time um, filling in at the, um, as part of the back four as a sweeper. So, he, you know, he, so I think... Particularly, I think two things I'd say, Stuart. One is those improvements with the keeper and the fullbacks, but it's also the players is improved as well. I mean, Sterling, okay, yes, he's missed a few chances. He's not maybe the natural striker that Aguero is or that Harry Kane is, people like that. He's a, he's a winger, but he's still scored 21 goals this season. Mm. And he's really changed games. He's scored important goals. Kevin De Bruyne, 
big debate. Obviously, is he going to get player of the year? In my view, he should absolutely get it. I'm the best player in the best team who have walked the Premier League should win every time. But I suspect that Mo Salah's, he's scored the goals. He's the darling, isn't it? The one he might, he might just pick him for that. Mm. Um, so, so there's just two. Fernandinho has improved, if, if that's possible. I think one of the most underrated players in the Premier League. So it, it, it's the improvement in those positions, I've said, but also the improvements he's made. And, of course, Aguero himself, the great Sergio Aguero. It's been well reported. He's probably not the hardest trainer in the world. He hasn't historically necessarily tracked back as much as Pep would like players in his team to do. But he's certainly done that recently uh, under Pep. And he's going to score 200 goals for Manchester City, which is... Uh, He's a legend, clearly. Now, there's two things. That, I guess there's two things to chalk off on the bucket list of this season. Is uh, mm. is 100 points and 100 goals? It's possible, isn't it? It's absolutely possible. We've already won the league in the fastest possible time. Was it? It's like five games to go. Mm-hmm. Um, there are lo- there are lo- I haven't got them in front of me now, but there are loads of records that we could well do. Mm. Uh, we could break. But, but you know what? Listen, we're, we're 16 points ahead. I'll say that again. We are 16 points ahead. Um, so I think that the team, Pep, have got to take huge, you know, huge credit for that. And uh, people say it's not a great league. It's the Premier League. It's the English Premier League. You got Chelsea, the previous champions. You got the team from just outside Manchester who play in red. You know, we, we, Liverpool are a great side. Spurs have been playing some fantastic football. So it's not been a bad Premier League, but we've walked it. In terms of how people talked about Pep at the end of last season and how they're talking about him now, is I'm hearing rumblings of like. There'll be young English coaches now looking at how Pep's played football and going, do you know what? We can we can try and develop football that way because clearly it can win. Oh well, I'd like to think so. I've said I said earlier on. I think he, I think he has started to trans, transform English football. I think teams will start to play like that because because that's what fans want to see. They don't want to see the Mourinho parking the bus type football mm. where you sort of grind out a draw and you get you grind out results. Yes, he's won stuff in the past. But I think people are genuinely excited about the way we're playing football and and bring it on as far as I can say. Let, let's let's have teams passing it quickly, sort of having attacking formations, you know, get, get, quickly getting the ball back if you lose it. I just think going forward, it's so exciting to watch and, and, and more teams should do that. You know, the Pep's philosophy is it doesn't matter if we let in two or three because we'll always score four or five. It's kind of his thinking. And what, what a great way to, to play football. What a great mentality that is. So, yeah, listen, we know he's got a big checkbook. We know he's got a, a big purse. And he, and he has invested wisely. But he's not just gone off and bought, you know, Messi and Ronaldo. You know, he's bought... Um, you know, the Laportes of this world who aren't necessarily sort of well-known players but as I said before it's not just the people he's brought it's the people he's brought on as well and, mm. I, and I think people will look people will look at the way he plays football and, and potentially will start to play in that style and, and how exciting is that for us as football fans No indeed, indeed. I'm sure you're going to have a lot of fun this week on the, uh, the Man City show Yeah not sure what we're, not sure we're going to talk about at all Stu any ideas what we might talk about <laughs> no, I can't think. I'll, we'll, we'll come up with something between now and tomorrow which is when we're recording our show The Whistleblowers is back for the season by Ladbrokes. Right then. Now, this is our turn to celebrate uh, Man City win the league because uh, there was a wonderful moment of <laughs> corporate over-exuberance by God. one of the sponsors of Man City. Now, I think we've all... We, that was the homework for the, uh, for the podcast. Uh, who wants to start me on how cringeworthy the... Uh, let me get the, the brand right. Etty Salat corporate monstrosity that was uh, 
if you're happy and you know it, clap your hands, I think. <laughs> I, thought, I, I thought it was all real and that they've got a new song and they ditch Blue Moon. It's, if, it, if they sing that before every game from now on, I'll be so happy. <laughs> I'll be so happy. Giles, I think, I think it was a case of... Um, I think they were too tight to pay the copyright on Blue Moon, do you think? <laughs> I thought it was everything that's wrong with modern football. It was just awful, wasn't it? Now, you've, 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 you've made video, corporate videos and films yeah, and stuff, yeah. so... What 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 would the, what what did the brief ones look like for that one? Well, that's the problem. There was a brief, wasn't it? There was there was <laughs> brand managers and there was social media managers and there was all these absolute wankers involved sorting something out that nobody actually plays the game or watches the game cares about. And that's the problem, isn't it? It was loads mm. of people involved in this thing who were just doing it because we've got to promote, promote the brand and got everyone to look like this. And it's just nonsense, absolute nonsense, isn't it? Same reason we got Friday Night Football. It's just rubbish. <laughs> David, can you can you see how the the layers that must have gone through, and obviously the football club is a football club, that it doesn't seem to reflect anything that looks like real football fans. No, it's I mean uh, it's it's a, a fact that they're not all real football fans. Because mm. There's people who have said since it came out, like I know that fella, I'm mates with him. He's a Man United fan. He's an old fan. He's not a Man City fan. <laughs> people who are acting, 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 acting in it. What about like, 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 like a with a drum? Is it does he go? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> a city are not famous for drums, surely. Don't they? Don't have a sort of a Rangers I know, type I do uh, know the one German, fa- German flute band, no? <laughs> I do know that the young ginger-haired lad who sort of starts off the thing, he is, he is apparently a blue through what, and through. Kev- Kevin De Bruyne. <laughs> <laughs> right, then. I think that's enough for uh, laughing at City. Congratulations, Man City, for winning the league. Very deserved. You've played lots of good football, but uh, you've heard Nigel talk about how great that is. So... The second team, the second, the team that's second in the league and looks like they probably will finish second is Man United, who are a bit of an enigma this season, as we've talked about in the podcast. It's sort of everyone says they're having a bad season, and yet they're second. So I spoke to Gaz Whelan from the Happy Mondays, uh, drummer and United fan, about what he thinks about Jose so far and uh, what they need to do to rectify toppling City. Welcome to the Whistleblowers, Gaz Whelan, Happy Mondays, and Man United. How's mm-hmm. how's it hanging under Jose Mourinho for you, Gaz? Ah, uh, I don't know. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. You know what? But when Ferguson first left, he was the number one manager. What? 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 Two United. Not to put too much his play style, but his kind of his personality. I thought he was the one I wanted. He always did. Mm. Uh, and since he's come, have things improved? Yeah, without a doubt, definitely improved. Uh, Highest points total, you know, since Ferguson left this. I know it, it doesn't help, and I'm not doing so well, does it? But yeah, no, <laughs> and, and and in Spurs, a bit like Pogba, they look great, and then for 65 percent of the time, they don't. Or for 35 percent of the time, or even 30 percent, they look great. Hmm. I, you know, is it working? I don't think it is really. I don't think it's it's not, but. I'm prepared. To, you know, things change. It's like, you know, you're a Liverpool fan, you know, mm. a few months ago, you're nearly getting rid of your manager. You know, things are, and look what's happened now. You know, it's a complete turnaround. So you just don't really know. You know, I, 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 I personally would give him till Christmas. If he's nothing, if things aren't getting any better by Christmas next year, I think we need to, but, you know, I'm thinking it's somebody else, but who I don't know. Did you think, I mean, watching the, um, the, the Manchester derby where you did, where you look like, you look like a bunch of no marks for the first half and then, the second half, wasn't that more like what you'd like to see Man United be like? 
Yeah, but that's what they'll be like all season. All the games will be like a couple. There'll be like one game. They'll be like the first half. One game. You know, two games will be like the first half. Then one game will be like the second half. And it's like that constantly. That's a, that sums them up. And it, there's just no consistency. And I don't know. It just doesn't seem to be. I mean, this thing that Jose don't attack or give uh, the Upa chance. Well, he does both. Well, the attacking is really pedestrian. I just don't get it. They just don't seem to. No one seems to want. You know, it's like when, when you attack now and uh, yeah. when. It, and when I'm not, I can't remember myself saying the name. And you're like, you know, we used to, it's like pretty fast. There's always someone, there's always someone overlapping, there's always someone like the ball. We don't yeah. You see United breaking at the ball, they're looking round. And half the time they're passing square because people are not interested. It's like people are scared of response. But I don't know what it is. I don't know. But, you see, but you've seen, you've got the players. I mean, I, I mean I'd have Marshall in a heartbeat. He's. See, this is my argument when. when with a, well, I, can't, I can't work out whether I'm pro or anti Jose, but the thing <laughs> is, you can't be that many players going through a bad spell, can we? No. I mean, it's due to a coincidence. And on paper, if it's like in the, in the Manchester Derby at half time, I was just like, you know, on paper, I say that much better than us on paper. Probably not on paper, but they were a different league, they were a different class. Because I thought I, I thought early in the season that Mourinho was playing us all like a fiddle at one point, because he, he managed to wind up. Conte and he got he got the win there and stuff and he was and you're second in the league so it's like you, you, you're doing awful but you're second in the league and, and yeah it's, it's, <laughs> it is that's 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 the kind of that's see that that's why everyone not everyone's arguing amongst themselves we can't but it's you know I I had someone this morning saying I would rather finish fifth and play good football now I'm not I'm not too sure about that but it is it's it's, it's, it's just dire football it's just it's not. And then, you know, at the end of the day, it's entertainment. And someone was complaining, you know, you shouldn't be shouldn't be booed if you're United, but if you're really United, yeah, you should. If they're not entertaining, you know, that you're there to pay money, they get paid very well. If you don't want to entertain, well, there's a couple. You know, if I banned a shit gig, I wouldn't expect someone to carry on cheering. <laughs> but I guess, I guess it's the thing, though, isn't it? If you play, if you play that kind of non-entertaining football and you win trophies, then people go, "We've won trophies." But if you don't play entertaining football and you don't win trophies, the only thing people can see is that you're not playing entertaining football, isn't it? Well, yeah, but under, under you know, under uh, Busby and, uh, and, uh, and Ferguson, it was like, you know, we would attack and we would leave leaks to the back, but we'd win 3-2, 4-3, 5-4, 2-1. We'd concede goals, mm. but we'd score more. You know, like, if I talk with my head, mm. oh, and he's doing okay, but with my heart, I'm, I'm, you know, it's like, I'm watching it because I've been kind of, so usually like, you know, Five o'clock games are midday here with five hours behind. So usually ten o'clock in the morning, three o'clock kickoffs, or whatever. Yeah. And they usually go to bed at night, really excited to get up, and I don't at the moment. And it's like, and it's not because they're not winning things. That's not it. It's because it's just not exciting. You end up. I know it's myself going on, you know, going on my laptop. And I'm like, I'm, you know, and before I've been, say, I have the game. I was even flicking in between that and something else the other day. And you're the girl. Like, what am I doing? It's crazy. Looking to the weekend then, and and viewing it as you are living in Canada. How how's the FA Cup as a as a thing when you're in Canada? Well, you know, it, well it's not. I think it's not the same anymore as it used to be. Is it? I mean, when yeah. I was a kid, when I was a kid in, in Manchester, and I remember the, the day of the FA Cup. We did, you know, there was some. There was only a couple of live games a year, weren't there? Mm. Yeah, yeah. Well, the FA Cup games a big day. You got up, it was all the TV all day. And then remember our street where I lived, the whole street used to be decked out red, white, and black. All of it. Really? All of it. Yeah, all the old street. There was. The street of Willard, I lived in the cul-de-sacs. There's a street of about 80 houses. There were three families that were city families. 
the Smiths, the Rosens, and the Reeds, and they were the free fans. The rest of United, the whole, the whole street. Obviously, you know, Salford, of course, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was, and they used to deck off the scarves out the windows, big flags in the window. Everyone, every, no, not every house, but you know, majority of houses. Yeah. And uh, it was, it was like being at a, some fan, you know, stage. Was it? it was a packed. It was great, and everyone was. Uh, it was a big deal, and it's, it's kind of not anymore as much. And I mean. They blame United because they didn't play it that, that year we went to the World Thingy, but it's also playing semi finals at Wembley and all that. There's, lo- there's loads of reasons why it's not as. We're still all winning it. You know, I think Arsenal's over- overtaken us now in the amount of times they've won it. And well, do you fancy yourselves against uh, Spurs? Because we- weirdly, Spurs have got a home advantage, even though it's Wembley. Outrageous. It is an home advantage completely. They've been playing <laughs> their- so, uh, Yeah, I mean, I don't know. We just don't know what teams are going to turn up. Usually against the top six teams, we better, you know. But I mean, I guess, I guess last time you played them there, they actually walked all over you, didn't they? We have issues in midfield. We still have issues at the back. We've got Corny Copra strikers up front that we can choose from. I always do, I, Matt is my favourite. I think Matt, Matt makes everything happen. I think he's, I think he's uh, you know, not always. He's, you know, I know he's not the fastest player, but I think he's great. Him and Sanchez, uh, yeah, connect really well, and he, do, he doesn't seem to like Matt too much. I, I really rate Matt. I mean, he knows more than me. You know, I'm just a mere, you know. But he, 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 I just don't get. It. I like Matt. I think he moves. I mean, there's a lot more speed, a lot more urgency when Matt's playing. A lot more one-touch movement football rather than it being pedestrian and and, and lethargic. I don't know, but it depends on team terms up and who's he's playing defence. I hope Bailey's back. Uh, you know, we've got Bailey. I like Rojo. And that's about it. For centers, we need two central defenders. You could, if you could just give Marino a call for this summer, what would you want him to do? What, what, what one position would you see him fill? Well, we need another midfield. We need a bit, You know what? We've never, we've always had the, you know, the uh, the Roy Keane, Brian Robson midfielder always. We haven't got that. Yeah, uh, we haven't had that since Keane retired. So we, we need we need a midfielder. We still need that that the, the, the leader in midfield. We definitely we're definitely missing that. And two, we need two central defenders because oh, Jones oh. smiling for me and uh, no. not for you. No. All right. Well, well. Look, th- thank you very much for uh, for giving us your thoughts on Man United all the way from uh, Toronto, Canada. Thanks for that, guys. Um, your Portuguese is a bit dodgy, doing it, <laughs> Jose. <laughs> That's as good as it gets. Yeah. <laughs> I'm bringing, I'm bringing a full Northwest accent range to this podcast, Justin. That's all I've got. If I, if I keep that, I don't have to think too hard. Um, Giles, where did that fight back come from, from Chelsea? I thought, I thought you were just working to rule at this stage of the season. No, it's awful, isn't it? It's just all rubbish. Um, where did it come back? It, well, it's been there the whole time, really. It's, it's just a bit of a mess, isn't it, things at the bridge? Again, mm. like they are every other year. You know, like, well, you've had, you've had players' revolts under under Jose, uh, well, yeah. And uh, now, you've <laughs> got a man, now you've got a manager's revolt. <laughs> but you say we've had player revolts like we've had lots of them, uh, and it hasn't really been. I mean, there I'm was just thinking there, recent yeah. years. I'm recent thinking years, yeah, there, there was to steady that ship. He was, I mean. uh, and I have to say, I mean, I think there's a lot of difference of opinion uh, on um, Antonio around the fans. Mm. Some people think he's throwing his toys at the pram and oh you should just get on with it and you're being paid a lot of money other people like myself think well you were obviously promised some things when you came here that's why you take the job it feels a bit like Rafa Benitez at Liverpool and Nixon Gillette to yeah uh, and, and I kind of I feel sorry for him I think he came here thinking okay you're going to be more in charge of the transfer budget than you were uh, it'd be much more your team 
But there seems to be this thing at Chelsea where they say, we buy you the players. Now you've won the league. Okay, well, we bought you the players. And look, it's worked. And in fairness to them, it has worked several times. But it does worry me. Um, you know, he's obviously very pissed off. He's obviously going, isn't he? I mean, he's leaving. I mean, Man- Manchester United have pro- proven there isn't a big market for managers at this level, is there? Mm. You know, so it's like, where where did Chelsea go if he goes? We'll go and get whoever's won the Italian league again. Something like that. You know, it, there's talk, isn't there, of um, getting what's his name from Juventus? Mm. Max Allegri. That's the one, yeah. Um, I don't know. We'll get him. He'll come here. We'll win the league in the first season. And then he'll find out he can't buy who he wants. And he'll mm. get pissed off and he'll leave. And whoever the Juventus manager is at the time. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, replace him. In fairness, it kind of works like that in Italy, doesn't it? You know, mm. they'll happily get through a manager or two a season. Mm. Um, it's just very different to the way we do it over here. It, I do kind of get annoyed by it, though. I feel like it undermines my uh, investment in everything. You know, you're kind of getting excited about something. Conte's first season, the game against Everton, was one of the greatest games of football I've ever seen in my life. It was it was like something I'd never seen before. What, what had he done that you hadn't seen at Chelsea before? Well, a lot of the time, as you know, football fans here, we have a, a pretty good understanding, don't we, of, of, of the game. I may be I'm absolutely fucking rubbish at playing it, but mm. I have an understanding when that ball goes yeah. over there, that's going for him to run through and now <coughs> pass it wide, and sure enough, they'd pass away. The ball was going to places I wasn't looking. It was just incredible. We mm. were just tearing them apart. It was wonderful. Um, and you think, how come we haven't got that anymore? There's got to be something going on in the background there with everything that undermines I was going to say, and in the background, if you think about it, David, there's been three players this season who've led for their teams. So Lukaku at United, oh, God, you've got go. Salah at Liverpool, and you've got De Bruyne at City, which mm. are all cast-offs of a Chelsea development scheme, which obviously, it's very good, but he doesn't know what to do with them to get them to that level that they're at now. Yeah, I think maybe I think it shows. Yeah, whoever whoever was scouting those players, whoever decided to bring those players in, knew exactly what they were doing in terms of the players to go after. Mm. Just maybe got them a year or two too early. Maybe mm. just sort of put them on the back burner and say, "This guy's going to be great when he's about mm. twenty three, twenty four. Maybe not sign him so early mm. and loan him out and then give up on him." But obviously, that uh, certainly in terms of Salah and De Bruyne and and Lukaku, actually, it was all under. Joseph. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're yeah, all, they're it was, all, yeah. It was all under Emanalo. Yeah, um, I yeah. mean, I'm just going to point to just say very quickly the the, the Salah one was fascinating because when he came, he was like a stick, like really yeah. thin, and people would just bump into him, he'd fall over, and, and we'd just, now he's got so a dog leash. And he went he's over got there, a massive ass. Yeah, he went over there and he just pumped up, didn't he? So Justin, what do you what do you look at as a West Ham fan looking across at your West London rich neighbours? And, and you've, you've got your own ownership problems, but at least they're West Ham fans. So, do you see what they're doing, what's happening at Chelsea sorting itself out, or is this just chaos forever? No, I just think crisis, what crisis? At Chelsea? Oh, I'm completely indifferent to so-called crisis why Arsenal and Chelsea just, you know, coming fifth, fourth, <laughs> doesn't matter to me. <laughs> it's true. It's true. It, there's a lot of truth to that, Justin. Oh, I just think, you know, when you see the fans moaning about this stuff, just, I'm, I'm incredulous. <laughs> I just think of Chelsea being about the same level of West Ham up and down the league. So this is a completely new thing for me. The idea that coming fifth or sixth is disappointing. <laughs> just, just, I just can't compute. So sticking on West Ham. So this weekend, Palace winning, even Huddersfield winning. You went into Monday's game with, uh, thankfully, Chelsea's comeback that that kept, kept yeah, Southampton yeah, I, down. Yeah, I, I enjoyed watching that uh, comeback. <laughs> So, so scraping a draw at home to scraping stu- a draw. It was a good game. No, it was a good game, but obviously it was a eighty-watt minute equaliser. 
Yeah, I mean, they... they uh, oh, when then, you battered them, from what I saw... It's very hard for me to judge what a neutral thinks of a match. I really enjoyed... Sorry, I really enjoyed... Not near enough to the mic. <laughs> I really enjoyed that game. It was sort of quite exciting, and um, we had loads of chances, didn't score. Um, Andy Carroll brought out of his cryogenic cell. Crouch scored from a Joe Hart fluff, unfortunately, and then, uh, yeah, we had a... You know, what would be most people's ideal West Ham team on the last sort of five or ten minutes of the game. Mm. So it was good to see so many attacking players being fit and well and uh, Andy Carroll just scored a goal out of nothing. It shows how, you know, how he can do that. Is he, is he, is he just been like a China doll for most of the season or is, is this him back fit? Um, yeah, yeah. I just think uh, he's like Pilter Crouch. He's just an ideal sub. Hmm. Uh, I just don't think he's ever going to be fit enough to be anything other than someone that you bring on and score your winner, but he can do that. So while, while you were saying there that, that, that you, you, you scoff at Arsenal and Chelsea's idea of a crisis, how, how suited do you think David Moyes has been at West Ham and what future does he have at London Stadium for you? Because uh, he's got one at the moment, has he? No, I mean, I think that uh, he's clearly uh, done his job this season. Like most modern managers, I hate the fact that they have no respect for the FA Cup and the League Cup, which is essentially, if you look at this little book in front of Your me, grandfather's all record. All we've ever got any hope of winning. Yeah. Um, and that, that disgusts me, annoys me. Allardyce was the same. You know, why, why put out these reserves in games which are essential for the fans and pushes mm. your season on? I just don't understand it. So uh, apart from him putting out a terrible team, Wigan away, I can't, I've got no complaint about his uh, management. Yeah. He's been good. David, now I've made you wait long enough, I feel. Uh, this has been a pretty uh, exciting time for Liverpool. So let's, let's, not, let's, let's go back a week, because when the last podcast went out, there hadn't been a result in the Champions League quarterfinals. And Liverpool 5, Man City 1 over two legs. Who saw that coming? Certainly not me. I, uh, I mean, the, the first leg was obviously the thing of dreams. The first mm. half of the first leg was the thing of dreams, being 3-0 up. But it's, I don't know if it's being a Liverpool fan, it's being a, a football fan generally. The natural pessimist comes out in you and you kind of think, well, we've done it in the first quarter of a four, the, the mm. four different halves is going to be. There's plenty of time for City to come back. Keeping a clean sheet at the end of the first leg was incredibly important, mm. uh, certainly in terms of how the, how the second game panned out. I mean, thinking about when you were last on here, could you imagine a Liverpool defence being that resilient for no, 45 minutes? not. I mean, not even a couple of months ago. Um, mm. you, even people have said, and rightly so to an extent, about Virgil van Dijk coming in, that it's improved things. Mm. He certainly calmed things down a lot. But even after he'd come in, there were still a few games where we looked, in particular West Brom in the FA Cup, mm. we looked incredibly dodgy yeah. at the back still. But yeah, late, lately it's 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 become a lot more solid, and it was it was bizarre. Not just watching Liverpool obviously defending as well as they they have been, and, mm. and it's not just in those two games. Generally in mm. the league, they've, they've been much improved. But against the the best attack, certainly in England, if not on when on form in Europe, mm. that they were in the first leg, they stopped them from getting a single shot on target. Second, that was quite a remarkable yeah. fact of the game. And second it? leg, it was only three. In spite of all of the, the pressure they put on, it was it was the goal and, and two other shots on target they had uh, in that game as well. So they defended incredibly well. But to be honest, in the second second leg, especially after when Gabriel Jesus scores after mm. two minutes, I'm watching the rest of the first half through my fingers, <laughs> mm. leaving the room every time Man City have the ball, which was about 40 minutes of the first half. 
and um, at the end, until Mohamed Salah scores that goal I can finally sit down and relax mm. and think right we've got this now but until then I was just an absolute bag of nerves Justin <laughs> did, you, did you see, did you see the, the two legs and what do you, what do you think of oh, don't ask me about the Champions League we're not involved don't watch it <laughs> <laughs> now as, as a, in an echo to, uh, to what Nigel was saying about Man City's season and the strengths they've got and they invested a lot in fullbacks of which one of them's been great one of them got injured one of them's not so great but then Delph turn out to be the magic the magic touch um liverpool at the moment seem to have got a massive tune out of andy robertson you know the eight million they invested in him um but that a lot of Liverpool fans went is that the the level of our ambition and uh trent alexander was tagged as a weakness in a few games and he's come out smelling of roses so what what is it about the system that liverpool are playing that makes the the uh the fullbacks so integral i mean the, the win at Bournemouth at the weekend, you saw what what happens when the when the fullbacks play. Absolutely, I mean Alexander Arnold was. I mean, this Man United game was mm. was the one that people really criticised him for, which I thought was a little unfair. It was quite understandable. Michael Rashford didn't play that bad, did he? No, really? this, is, this, is, this is what always gets me whenever a fullback gets done for a couple of goals. He always gets all the blame, and no one mm. thinks to say, "Oh, the attacker did well to beat him and score mm. a goal." It's like, no, it, every goal has to be a defensive mistake, but. After that, I mean, he he came out. He didn't need to, but he came out himself and actually apologised to the fans on Instagram. I think it was. Or yeah, yeah, like that. yeah. And um, just, uh, which just, is modern just, football. Just, like, just, like, just, like, just get your opinion. Let me get your opinion on that. The uh, modern football is apologising on social media for having a bad game. He may have done a weeping eye emoji as well. Yeah. I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, what, do you, what do you think of that, Justin? Of the footballers. What can I say? I, can't, I have nothing to say about that. It's, it's just nonsense, isn't it? <laughs> it's absolute nonsense. I've let write it anyway, do it Because you see, every so often you get those ones who put tweets up that say, can you please post this tweet? We played really yeah, well today. Yeah, put something yeah. like, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, he, he really, it was nonsense in the sense of, obviously, modern football gone mad, but also in the sense of he had nothing to apologise for. He made a couple of mistakes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but kind of. then, I, I actually, I, I uh, a second plug here, but I do a weekly uh, column for the Anfield Wrap. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. On every Monday, and I remember the Monday after the Man United game, I did one on Alexander Arnold and said, you know, he didn't have the best of games, but anyone who's seen him play knows he's got so much potential, he'll come back from this. And I was a bit scared because I then remembered that shortly afterwards we would have the first leg against Manchester City, mm. he'll be up against Leroy Sane, and I thought if he gets torn apart again here, it doesn't say it could be the end of him, but it'll mm. certainly make this article look very fairly silly. <laughs> and then uh, he was incredible. He completely marked Sarney well, out of the well, game. Well, it's interesting, David. I mean, you probably wouldn't have listened to it, but the, but the Man City show, which is of the Whistleblowers Parish, um, they were talking about the game. And they talked about how bad City played and how awful Sarney was. And I think for Liverpool fans watching Sarney, he had a good game, just that Trent Alexander had a better one. Well, this is it. It's again, again, going back to you can't give an attacker credit for a goal it always has to be a defender's error again mm. if an attacker can't get past a fullback or can't get past a centre back it's always because he's having a bad game it's not mm. a sort of course you can't say oh well maybe he's playing really well but the fullback or the defender is playing a bit better which is why mm. you can't get past him so it was like um, the, the, the match ratings after the game I think Leroy Sane got like a three in the yeah, times weird. or something Very it's weird. like he was their most dangerous player but he was thwarted by a eight or nine out of ten performance from Alexander Arnold it's, it's like with corners isn't it it always makes me laugh when corners come out if you get a corner against you you just think oh god how are they going to score with this if you get a corner, you think, how are we going to fuck this up? Yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. every time. So, so, Giles, looking forward to the weekend, FA Cup semi-finals. No. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. <laughs> Gaz, Gaz, Gaz Whelan, as he talks about Man United, he, he'd like to win it. He was talking about how he remembers 
when he was a kid, the street he lived in, yeah, um, all decked out, red, white, and black. Even he, I mean, I can't remember the names of himself on the top of my head, but even names the three city families in his street who were decked out in red, I'm white, and black. I'm amazed anyone from the Happy Mondays can remember their childhood. <laughs> <laughs> But you know, you 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 excited about the prospect of FA Cup semi final uh, and the final at Wembley? You know, two. I'm games. certainly not excited about Wembley. No, right. I can't stand Wembley. It's the worst stadium in the world. I hate it. Um, yes, I'm excited about, it, but I'm kind of with you. I did this undermining the FA Cup. It does feel undervalued a bit. So I am excited about it, but. Chelsea, no, it's not, it's not something everyone watches anymore. No, when exactly. I was, uh, and I hate having semi-finals. I don't want to be so yeah. nostalgic, but when I was a kid, if someone knocked on your door when the FA Cup final was on, <laughs> no matter what team was in it, you go, what are you doing the FA Cup? Yeah, on? exactly, exactly. <laughs> Nine o'clock like in the morning, all starts. For knocking on the door and being out at, yeah. at mm. quarter past three on a Saturday when it, when it was on, it, was, it stopped everyone from doing whatever it did on that Saturday otherwise. So, do you, do you, Giles, do you fancy Chelsea for a win? <laughs> who knows Stuart is the answer who knows I, yes of course I do uh, because they're playing Southampton who are mm. terrible but it could just easily be th- just as easily be 3 And Any love lost with Mark Hughes because I know from Man United fans they can't stand him I can't seems- stand him I've oh, never really? liked him you, you don't I've like him either. never liked him he just moans about it it says the man moaning <laughs> about everything uh, <laughs> <laughs> no. we're allowed to be hypocritical <laughs> yeah. we're doing a podcast no I've, ne- I've never liked him really uh, I didn't like what him is it, what is the qualities of Mark Hughes that make him he just looks grumpy and pissed off and a bit superior to everyone doesn't he do you know what I mean he's just like a oh. generic manager look. Yeah, yeah yeah exactly <laughs> I, uh, yeah he does doesn't he Justin you've got uh, I guess a free hit this weekend you're away to Arsenal and by the time you play them, you'd be hoping, I guess, that Leicester beat Southampton. I mean, just talk us through maybe what what this time of the season where you're not just watching your games, but you're also, the other results can give you just as much joy. Well, as you can see from this book, I spend a lot of my time studying results and leagues more than I do watching football. I just, that's part of the fascination of this game for me is looking at the results. My favourite thing is Monday times the double page with the results the league tables who's doing what in all the bottom leagues I don't really follow the Champions League I follow the other leagues as much as I do the Premier yeah. League um, that's just the way I've always been the stats quite thrill me so yeah I've, I, I spend most seasons last 10 games working out permutations so who's going to so stay up Monday, and who isn't and so I always this, have done so this Monday when you were, when you were looking at the the facts and figures of the weekend what were you what I'm still I've, I've, for about three weeks I've been thinking that uh, it's um, it's the bottom three and I just can't see how those two teams are going to win three games to be so fair so Southampton and Southampton I'm feeling a little there. bit relaxed because I just don't think those three are going to win three games no well West Brom will win five games I think but um, yeah I can't I can't see it so um, yeah I'm, I'm more relaxed than I normally am this, this part of the season the other day, though, didn't they West Ham <laughs> West Brom. West Brom. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think that, yeah, they can play well for that game because they're not going to win five matches, are no, they? No, I they think you're absolutely can... right, but they did look good. Yeah, they look good, and I think some teams can play better when they're not under pressure. West Brom aren't under pressure anymore, and that's probably the reason for that. I mean, there's a lot of... I think in some ways, I mean, there's a lot of psychology at the top of the league, but there's a lot of psychology at the bottom of the league as well. There's good players can't play. It's a lot of good players are rubbish in that. Kind well, I feel like I've been talking about the bottom since like November and talking about eleven teams. So the fact that as late as April now, it's actually evened itself out a bit, and we've got. I mean, West Brom was always the kind of straggler in the end, but it's uh, this season has really sort of 
And I think it's a surprise, you know, Stoke, I mean, Stoke and, and, um, and Southampton have both sat managers, both sat in the latest, I think, of the, of the bottom half of the table. And it, and it kind of shows when you're playing, playing catch-up at that point. But then think, West Brom have, have sacked Pardew fairly late as well. In the day. Well, twice. Look at that's what Darren Moore's done in his yeah, first two games. But did, did anyone think when Pardew got appointed, oh, they're definitely staying up then, aren't they? I mean, did anyone that really think them? that? Yeah, his exactly, record yeah. is terrible. If you look at, if you look at Alan Pardew as a, as, a, as a manager, he's not achieved a great deal. And it's Just so, another list of things that are wrong with modern football. No, it? you're right, you're right. Now, David, you've, you've kind of got like Christmas Eve before Christmas this weekend. It's not so much... It, I mean, is it... Is it, is it Possible f- to be thinking with any intrepidation about going away to West Brom when Roma is on the horizon three or four days later? To an extent. I mean, I certainly after the f- they beat Man United, Old Trafford and what they did to us in the FA Cup, you mm. kind of think, I wouldn't put it past West Brom doing something against us. I think... Oh, so, so let me phrase that. How much do you expect sort of Klopp to rest players ahead of, ahead of what would obviously be a bigger game? Well, the noises he's making, certainly in terms of the, the Bournemouth game, obviously everyone saw we played a mm. pretty much a stronger team. Yeah, it's Milner, wasn't it? And he's, he's, he's pretty much said that he'll do that um, regardless going forward because he, he, he rested, arrested, rotated uh, around Christmas time. Mm. And he's said since then that I did that then so that these players can go through until the end of the season. I don't need to do any rotating now until the end of mm. the season. Obviously, injuries or whatever might might come along. Plenty have already come along, but... Um, I think for the West Brom game, I think he'll probably go fairly strong, not least because Roma have actually got two games between now and when we play them. Is that right? So although that obviously makes them more tired, it obviously keeps their momentum up. So I don't think Klopp will want his players to go a week and a half That's interesting because that belies the, the general criticism of the Premier League that they don't make it easy for English teams to win, that, that Roma are in that position. They're getting better at that now. This season, it's been noticeable, and it's happened with, with Liverpool, that... Um, when the further you go in the Champions League, all of a sudden you find games that were scheduled for Sunday afternoon and now Saturday morning. And the Premier League have actually... They didn't in the past. It was a, okay. they, they were completely negligent with that in the past. But now they do. Liverpool's... <clears throat> I think I said the West Brom game was initially supposed to be a yeah, 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 Sunday, yeah. 2 o'clock or something like that. Mm. So it's, that's been moved since we got to the semi-final. And um, yeah, it's... Uh, so yeah, that, that's, it's probably an advantage for Liverpool. The Roma have, have got, I think, Genoa... Uh, to, on Wednesday and uh, Spal at the weekend and so mm. uh, it, they'll they'll be more tired but potentially the momentum momentum will be there so we'd imagine he'll probably play a strong team against West Brom I do think he'll probably rotate for Stoke though which falls in the middle of the two obviously yeah right. yeah yeah so so do you, do you what, what's your feeling about about the game at Anfield against Roma you've got obviously the headlines the negative headlines should I say that came out of the City game was about how City were greeted at the stadium, yeah, um, which sort of negated the fact that the Liverpool team were jubilant by how they were greeted to the stadium. Yeah, I mean, Klopp said after the game himself that when obviously when they were arriving at the stadium, they didn't know what had happened and they were loving it, taking mm. films and everything. And but Klopp had actually said afterwards, I don't know if he, it was sort of deliberate hyperbole to try and stop people from doing it, but he he'd said that after he'd learned what had happened it ruined the night for him mm. it ruined the enjoyment of the of the win which I can understand but I think it also has to be emphasised that while it was an unfortunate scenes it was very much an an absolute minority of people who were mm. there there were loads of people at the side of the road that uh, that night who were just sort of cheering and chanting the team through and supporting mm. them and did, it was a, he, a handful of more didn't he ask them to come down though or something wasn't it is that right it was sorry didn't he ask them to come down am I making this up completely it's perfectly to be honest with you I think it's perfectly normal 
It's uh, but Liverpool did, did, fans did, did have done Klopp, this a did lot. Say something about say to, to get people down there or something. He I'm said not it saying, in get, the come he's, up. He but. said he said, <laughs> said come down and pelt the city yeah. coach, but don't tell him I told you. Um, he said it in the past. I'm not sure about this game because Liverpool. I, I may be completely wrong, and if I am, I apologise to you. But I thought he did. it just seems like you're asking people to do that. What do you think's gonna? Yeah, happen? I think it's it's hoping that people see the sense between oh, showing support and lobbing yeah, glass yeah, at, uh, always at transport. Football, but, do you know yeah. what? I've read lots of psychologists <laughs> report about mob mentality, and usually yeah. it's quite normal and sane. I can't believe what you're saying there, Gerald. <laughs> So do you think do you think we do you think the window's open for Liverpool to to to, to surprise Roma like they surprised City or are Roma going to go sod this for a game of soldiers? It's it's going to be really interesting because it could it could kind of go either way but at the same time it almost doesn't matter if it does because obviously Roma have shown mm. if you thrash them in the first leg that's no guarantee you're going to go through yeah. uh, especially the second leg in the Olympico but um I think I think Liverpool win the first leg. I think they showed against Man City the power of Anfield on a European night, how it can. I know Roma obviously aren't exactly strange to good atmospheres themselves, but mm. um, I think Liverpool, with the, the pace and power of their play, can can win the first leg. The one thing that I've heard a few people say that they are worried about the second leg because of how Ro- how good Roma have been in the Champions mm. League at home this year. They haven't conceded a single goal at home, and how, how possibly League. rum it is to go to Roma. Yeah, no exactly, exactly. It's also been covered, but um, actually in the league in <coughs> Syria, uh, Roma have actually conceded about twice as many goals at yeah. home as they have away, which actually shows they're good away form. They've only conceded yeah. nine goals away from home in the league this season, and. Very famously in Italy, they they played Napoli uh, at the San Paolo. Napoli, who play what having an incredible season, yeah. played very very similarly to the way Liverpool do. And Roma tore them apart and beat them four two a few okay. uh, a couple of months ago. So there is that worry. But um, I, having watched, I, was, I watched Roma play Lazio at the weekend, and obviously this was a bit after the Lord's Mayor show after what they did yeah, yeah, sure. against Barcelona. But um, they looked very slow to be honest I think uh, the pace of attack should be able to do something against them Justin one last thing then as, as the traditionalist amongst us it seems um, what's your feelings on on, um, on Tottenham being at home at Wembley for their semi-final well where else are they going to play I mean that's the what you think they should be playing at Villa Park well at least at least, <laughs> yeah. at least the Emirates <laughs> <laughs> um, well yeah I, I think I can understand why that's happening. I mean, they, mm. they, they've signed a contract to play at that stadium. You can't mm. suddenly change it for the FA Cup. I don't think. I don't think that's a, too controversial myself. And, and then one last thing. Then, so give us, give us. Uh, let's 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 end on the importance of the FA Cup. What's your prediction then for uh, Man U versus Spurs? Man United and Chelsea Southampton. Chelsea. So it's a Chelsea Man United <laughs> final. How do you fancy that one, Giles? Oh joy! Yeah. <laughs> That's been the whistleblowers. This is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit playbackmedia.co.uk. The Whistleblowers is back for the season by Labrooks. If you're a large organisation involved in managing, purchasing or making decisions on software licences, you need Livingston. Livingston provides the technology and a large team of experts to help you understand what software is installed on your network, who is using it and whether you purchase the right number of software licences to legally use it. This information can help you make smart business decisions when it comes to renegotiating software 
software licensing agreements with large software publishers like Microsoft, Oracle, IBM and others and when budgeting for software spend. To reduce the cost and risk of managing your software licenses, speak to Livingston today about our managed services. Over 50 multinationals across the world trust Livingston to manage their software licenses. Visit livingston-tech.com for more information. What's your thoughts on Fulham? Chances are you don't think about them too much, but nice away day by the river, used to have a Michael Jackson statue, and once did quite well under Roy Hodgson. But that's probably about it, because chances are you're not a Fulham fan. However, if you do know someone that supports Fulham, maybe a mate or a colleague at work, please tell them about the Fulhamish podcast that I host every week looking at each Fulham game as it comes and goes, with a nice bit of quirkiness and humour along the way too. You can find Fulhamish at fulhamish.co.uk, and we're also available on all podcast platforms, including iTunes, Acast, and playbackmedia.co.uk. That's Fulhamish, your weekly independent Fulham FC podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network.